All right, that 5.30 tonight special Christmas program, going to be phenomenal. And uh, I want to continue talking about praise and thanksgiving, that attitude that we should have as believers. Again, in Revelation 4, verse 11, it says, For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor, power, for you has created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. So you and I were created for God's pleasure. That's our purpose. So when you try to find the purpose of life, and, and everybody's like, Where, what's the purpose of life? And the problem is you start with yourself. And if you start with yourself, you will never find the purpose of life. Because to find life's purpose, you have to start with God. Because you were created for his pleasure. That's why we were created. Now, let me just say this. One of the things that blesses God is when you and I give worship, praise, or thanksgiving to God. In Psalms 103, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So, so understand that when you bless the Lord with thanksgiving, with praise, what you're doing is you are really fulfilling your purpose and you are giving pleasure to God. God is pleasured when we worship him. Now, so often the only time that we want to give this praise or this thanksgiving is when things really are going great. But again, as they're rebuilding the temple in Ezra chapter 3 in verse 11, it says, then all the people shouted with a great shout. Then they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house was laid. And the Bible says they were heard a great distance away. But they did not wait for the dedication ceremony. They didn't wait until everything was done, that, they had that everything that God had promised, that everything that was their purpose was fulfilled. They began to give praise to God immediately when the foundation was laid. See, anybody, or I would say everybody, will give thanks when they've got the victory, when the giant is laying down, when the walls have been knocked down. But it takes faith to begin to praise and to give thanksgiving when we just see a little bit of progress begin to take place. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 15, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now notice it says continually, not just on Sunday, not when it's convenient, not when you feel like it, not when you've got the victory, but continually on your bad days, when you're facing the giant, when things are going badly, when you don't feel like it, it says continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Now, it's a sacrifice when you and I don't feel like it. There are days when you just feel like worshiping God. There's other days you don't. You come to church on those days and you're kind of like this. And you look at somebody else, they're like this, and you're like, hypocrite. <laughs> you ain't got no victory. Things are not good. Life sucks. You know, you're, just, <laughs> you're just like, it, you, some days you feel it. But some days you don't feel it. But the Bible says we're to give him praise, we're to give him thanksgiving all the time, continually. It's a, the sacrifice of praise. I love what Habakkuk said. Now, now, 
the, the, the children of Israel have just been defeated by the Babylonians. The city of Jerusalem, all the cities really in Israel have been destroyed. Most of the people have been taken captive. Only the poor of the land were left. And he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, the fields yield no fruit. The flock may be cut off from the fold. There be no herd in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God my strength or my salvation, some translations say. He will make my feet like hind's feet and he will make me to walk on my high places. Now he's saying there's a lot of things going wrong in our, when I look around, but he said the Lord, he's my salvation, he's my strength. And he says no matter what's going on that's around me that's bad, there's some good things because I know ultimately I'm connected to God. How many of you have read the end of the book? We do win. We win. No matter how bad things are down here, ultimately we win, right? And praise and thanksgiving, it is a decision that we make. A a thankful heart is not a natural part of the human condition. In fact, our default mode is to complain and gripe and whine and to take everything for granted. That's our default mode. When Jesus heals 10 lepers, How many come back? One came back and said, thank you. Just one. And that's the default mode. We just take everything for granted, keep on going about our lives. But to to be thankful and to give praise to God, it is a decision that we make. Some people, I just can't help it. I feel bad. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. Things are going really badly in my life. But we cannot let our feelings dominate us. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, do not let your heart be troubled. He said, you need to control those feelings because if you will let feelings, they will control you. But he says, you can control them. Don't let your heart be troubled. And then he said, believe in God, believe also in me. He said, if you want to take control of your feelings, there are certain things that you need to do. You need to focus on. Now, in Isaiah 61, we, we, we find this, this, this awesome scripture that is, that is foretelling what's going to happen when Jesus arrives. And Jesus actually quotes this as he is in Nazareth, his hometown. He goes to the synagogue. They deliver him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opens it up. He finds the place where it's written. And he begins to read. And he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then Jesus actually closed the book and gives it back to the attendant. And everybody's looking at him. And Jesus says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But notice what he said. He said, the reason that I've come is to give good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when God's free favor, favors, they profusely abound to people. So he's saying, look, there's good things. The purpose that Jesus came for, there are good things. Those are the things we should be focusing on. And now as Isaiah continues, 
He said to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now notice the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now heaviness is an old English word, which simply means depression. Uh, it, it is amazing how many Americans consider themselves to be depressed, even are clinically diagnosed as being depressed. We, we, we take more drugs trying to deal with our depression than all the rest of the world put together. But the Bible tells us that there is a way out of depression. It, it, it says that what God wants to put on you is the garment of praise. When you begin to be, praise God, when you begin to be thankful, when you begin to lift up your hands to the Lord, that heaviness that's on you, that depression, it literally falls off. You cannot be thankful and praise God and stay depressed. You can't do it. Just try it. Write down 30 things to be thankful for when you get home and then lift your hands and start thanking God for those 30 things. And I'll tell you right now what's going to happen. It's going to change your mood. Now, the Bible says, David is speaking in Psalm 69. He says, I will praise the name of God with song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. So what thanksgiving and praise do is they magnify God. Now, I have a magnifying glass right here. Let me tell you what's happening. My eye is big. It's magnified. Now, did this actually make my eye any bigger? No, but it allowed you to see my eye as it really is, right? You, you've begun to see clearly my eye. Now, the Bible says that the universe itself is not big enough to contain God. So when we are thankful and when we praise the Lord, we don't make him any bigger. But what we do is this. We begin to see who God really is. And we begin to connect with who he really is. And literally what happens is like faith begins to explode in our hearts. But when we're thankful for what he's already done, we begin to see that God really does care for us, that God really does love us. Now, in Psalms 116, the psalmist here, uh, many of the, the scholars say we don't know who it is. Others say that King David wrote this particular psalm. I personally think that David wrote this and he wrote this when Solomon was chasing him, trying to kill him. And this is what he said. He said, return to your rest, O my soul. Now, when things are going bad in your life, let me just tell you, I'm gonna tell you what happens to me and you can tell me if this happens to you. My mind immediately paints a picture of the worst possible case scenario. My mind shows me 16 things that can go wrong and all of them where they're going to go. And that's what's happening to David. Absalom is chasing David. He's trying to kill him to take over the kingdom. David has got only 3000 men with him. Absalom has hundreds of thousands. All of Israel is with him. 
and his mind is beginning to talk to him and show him all the things that can take place, that he's going to be killed. And not only is he going to be killed, but Absalom is going to kill all of his family and he's going to take and position himself and everybody who's been a help to David is going to become an enemy of Absalom. And he's seeing everything that can go wrong. But he says, return to your rest, oh my soul. So literally what he's doing is he's talking to himself. How many of you talk to yourself? How many of you talk to yourself out loud? That's good. You know, everybody's got self-talk going on on the inside. But some of us are talking to ourselves out loud. And let me just say, it is biblical to talk to yourself. Somebody says, what are you doing? You're saying, I'm just obeying the Bible. I'm just doing what David did. David was talking to himself. And he said to himself, he says, David, the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He says, I want you to take a look at your life and look at what God has done for you. He said, you have delivered my soul from death. For 10 years, King Saul was trying to kill David. He's living out in the forest. He's living in a cave. Ultimately, he actually had to leave the nation. He goes over to the land of the Philistines and is living in a city of Ziglag. But the Bible says that King Saul sought David to kill him every day. Now, you think you got problems? When you got the king with unlimited resources trying to kill you and his number one purpose is killing you, that's not good. And David said, look, you delivered my soul. He said, all those years that he was trying to kill me, you protected me. He thinks about that. And he says, in my eyes from tears. Now you might think David had an ideal life. Let me just tell you that there was a whole lot of turmoil in David's family. One of his sons killed another one of his sons. Then later, he's got one of his sons who's literally trying to take his life. He had a child born that died when it was only like a week old. And he looks at all the things that broke his heart in his life. And, and, and he says, you healed my heart and you delivered my eyes from tears. And then he said, my feet from falling. I think we all know this story. David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Then he sends her husband into the forefront of the battle and tells the commander retreat so that he's killed. And God literally said, you, you, you killed him by the sword of the Ammonites. So he commits adultery and murder. And he said, my feet from falling. I mean, he had fallen about as far down as you could go. But when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, he repented. God forgave him. And David wrote and said this, he said, you have lifted me up, you've set my feet on a solid rock, and you have put me in a large place. He said, God, I messed up as bad as anybody could mess up. But God, you have lifted me up, you've put my feet on a solid rock, my feet from falling. And as he looks back at what God has done, and he begins to thank God for everything that God has already done, he magnifies the Lord. And he begins to see that God, the God who saw him through everything so far, is going to see him through the problem he's facing again. Before this happened, when David was still on the run from King Saul, he's living in Zegleg, but he and his men have left. 
And the Bible says the Amalekites come and they, they burn the city with fire and they take every single person's family and everyone's goods and they leave. And when the men get there, the Bible says that they just sat down and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. And it says that David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. And, and let me just say this. So this is what they said. They're talking about stoning him because of their problems. They're, they're, they're grieved. They're depressed. They've lost everything. Never make decisions when you're depressed because you will make the wrong decision. You'll make the wrong one. So the people say, let's stone David. How many of you know that's not the right answer? Stoning David is not the right answer. Everyone's grieved for his, every man for his son and his daughter. But David, he strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself. In the, it's great when you have friends that will encourage you. But you may have a day when you're alone and there's nobody to encourage you. But when you do get to that spot, you can do what David did and you can look back and you say, God, you saved me, you forgave me, you provided for me, you healed me, you delivered me, you did this, you did that. And as we begin to thank God for the things that he's done, we magnify the Lord. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord. You can't focus on the wrong things and stay in victory. Remember, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Most of you know the part of the, the Bible where Daniel ends up in Babylon. Daniel was one of many captives when Jerusalem was destroyed and, and Judah was taken captive that were taken to Babylon. And they write this as they get there. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. So here's what they're doing. They're looking back and they realize the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied and said, repent, repent, repent. If you don't repent, the, the Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is going to come. He's going to destroy the city. You're going to be taken captive. And they just, they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. He keeps prophesying, say, repent, repent. Now it's all happened. The king has come. Babylon has conquered the, the, the nation of Judah. Jerusalem has been destroyed, burned with fire. And they sat down and they remembered. So here's what they're doing. They're looking at what could have been, what should have been, what might have been, what ought to have been. They look back and say, if I had. How many know hindsight's 2020? Every time. And they're looking back and they say, man, I made a bad decision here. We should have repented here. We should have done this. We should have done that. Talking, thinking about everything that they should have done. And they're sitting down. They're weeping. They're crying. They're sorrowful because of what they didn't do. It says, we hung our harps in the willows in the midst of it. Now, the harp was the main instrument for worship. And the Bible says they just hung their harps. You know, when you're depressed, when you're focusing on the wrong things, you do not want to worship God. You don't want to praise the Lord. You don't want to be thankful. When you're looking at all the wrong stuff, you're not thankful to God. So they hang their harps. And they, they, they aren't able to worship. For those who carried us away captive asked us, and said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And those who plundered us requested of us mirth, saying, sing one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land or when we are captives? 
when we're captives. When you're captive to depression, when you're focusing on the wrong things, you, you, you just don't have any praise. You don't have any thanksgiving in you. The prophet Jeremiah, the same one that had told them repent, this was his word to them. He said, build houses, dwell in them. Plant vineyards, eat its fruit. Take wives, beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may increase there and not diminish. Seek the peace of the city of Babylon, where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. So he said, look, God has not forgotten you. You're in Babylon. Pray for the peace of Babylon. Prosper. In fact, Jeremiah said, you're going to be there 70 years, and then God is going to bring you back. But instead of focusing on the promise that God gave them of deliverance and prosperity, they're looking back at what could have been and should have been and ought to have been, and they're regretting all the things they didn't do, and they're looking back at all the bad things that happened, and they're focusing on them. But Paul said it this way. He said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on, meditate on these things. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying that if you're going to have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of praise, you got to focus on the right things. And when we focus on the wrong things, that's what gets us down. But when we're focusing on the right things, it's totally different. Jehoshaphat is king of Israel. And he gets word that three different nations, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the nation of Mount Seir, they've come together and they're springing a surprise attack. They are 24 hours from making it all the way to Jerusalem. And he finds out. He calls all the people, they begin to pray, they seek God, and God says, look, I'm on your side, I'll deliver you. So what do they do? It says they rose early in the morning and they went to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. I think that's a great word for us. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and they sang, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, this is a different strategy. No Navy SEALs do this. They're going to attack the enemy and they take the choir. And they put the choir in front and the choir sings and it go heads towards the enemy. Right? And they're, they're, they're begin, the Bible says they begin to praise the Lord. And when they begin to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Now, you're in trouble when God is ambushing you. They thought they had a sneak attack, but God had the real sneak attack. And in fact, God smote them with confusion. And the Bible says that the three armies attacked each other down to the last man. And when Israel got there, all that they had to do was rejoice because of their victory. But when they begin to praise God, 
That's when God began to move on their behalf. When Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says it's midnight. They've been beaten. Their backs are bleeding. They're in stocks. And we're not talking Wall Street. You know, their hands and their feet, they're in stocks. And it's midnight. I'm sure it was literally midnight, but it was spiritually midnight. And they begin to sing and praise God. And the Bible says when they did, an earthquake hit that prison and every single chain fell off every person that was in the prison. You know, when we begin to praise God, when we begin to be thankful, the bondages that are on our life begin to fall off. If we're focusing on the wrong things and we're focusing on what could have been and should have been and ought to have been and everything that went wrong, how many of you had some things go wrong this year? You can focus on what went wrong or you can focus on God's goodness. You can focus on the things God has done for you. You can focus on the promises of God. The children of Israel, they focused on their defeat instead of on God's promise of deliverance that was going to come their way, that God was going to bless them and prosper them in the place that they were. First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. How often? Always. No matter what's going on in the economy, what's going on in our job, in our family, in our friendships, in our relationships, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Now, let me just say this. Not for everything. Because God's not the author of everything, right? Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. He said, the thief, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life. So you don't thank God for what the devil is doing. When I first got saved 40 some years ago, 40, 44 years ago, right? There, there was a Christian book that came out and this book said, thank God for everything. It said, if you're getting a divorce, thank God for the divorce. Well, I just want to tell you something. God's not the author of divorce. But you know what? In the middle of the divorce, you can thank God that he loves you, that he's for you, that he's forgive you, that he has plans for your life to bless you, to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. You can thank God in the midst of whatever is happening. You know, the book actually gave the illustration. It says, you know, if you're diagnosed with terminal cancer and they give you six months to live, he said, thank God for the cancer. Listen, God doesn't have any cancer. He didn't bring it. But you know what? In the middle of it, you can thank God. You can thank God that no matter what happens in your life, you're a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. God loves you. He's with you. And he said he will never leave you, never forsake you. He said he'll forgive all your iniquities, heal all your diseases. There are things you can begin to be thankful for in the midst of no matter what is going on around you. Maybe you've lost your job. Your kids are rebellious, doing all sorts of things that you know are not right. Your marriage is hard. A friend betrayed you. Uh, nothing in your life seems to be going right in everything. Give thanks. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not for the problem, but in the midst of the problem. Because no matter what happens, your God is with you. 
Your God is for you. And again, we have read the end of the book. Anything that happens right now, it's temporal. But the Bible says we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen, they're temporal. They're subject to change. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. They're eternal. So, so let, me, let me just close with one more thought for us. We cannot, as born-again believers, part of the family of God, people that are part of the kingdom of God, we cannot look at our society and figure out how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to act. Don't look at the news. If you look at the news too much, you will get depressed. Somebody said CNN meant constant negative news. I, I don't, seems like it. You, you, you look at entertainment, it's going to lead you the wrong way. You look at our sports figures, you look at your unsaved neighbors. That's not where you're going to find out how to live. This is what the Bible says about the last days. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. A while back, I read an expanded translation, and it said this way, that in the last days, perilous decades will come. Each decade more perilous than the one before. For men, now, now here's, here's, here's the thing. Listen, you know, you think it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. You think the devil's coming. That's why it's going to be bad. Here comes the devil. But this is what it says. For men will be. For what? Men will be. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such turn away. You know, we need to be a people that are a people of thankful hearts and a people that are praising God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Give thanks. And as you're thankful, you will magnify the Lord. And you'll begin to see God's goodness, that God has a plan, that God has a future for you, that no matter what goes on around you, he will never leave you, physically leave you, he says, or forsake you, which means turn his heart from you. Never. Now, I know sometimes you feel something. You, you say, I just don't feel like God's listening to me. In fact, uh, several years ago, quite a few years ago, when I was a little more wild than I am now, a guy came up and, and he said to me, he said, he said, God just won't forgive me. God won't listen to me. You know? He said, I, I pray, but God won't hear. So, so I had heard about another pastor that did this. So I just said, well, I thought I'd try it. I said, well, I want you to start cussing right now. He said, in church? I said, yeah. He said, God will hear. And I said, so God would hear you cuss, but God won't hear you pray. See, you, you might think God's not listening, that God's far away. But the truth is, in your heart, you know. He's not distant. He's not far. In fact, I, I love Malachi chapter 3. It says, then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Lord, and to those who meditate on his name. So those who fear the Lord, 
They spoke to one another and they were saying, you know, God has blessed me. God has delivered me. God's forgiven me. God's provided for me. And, and God liked it so much. He said, angels, I want you to take the, let, let, write all that down and put it in a book for me. Put it in a book for me, a book of remembrance. God gets so much pleasure when you praise him and when you're thankful to him. The Bible says he has angels write the stuff down. It's in a book of remembrance. Don't thank God. God listens to every word that you and I say. And by the way, when you're praising and thanking God, there is an angel writing it down and putting it in a book, a book of remembrance. And then, then he says, he says, later, he said, those are the ones. He said, they're going to be my special treasures, my special treasures. Who? Those that are thankful, those that give thanksgiving. And remember, for his pleasure, we were created. And when you bless the Lord with a thankful heart, when you praise the Lord, you're giving God pleasure. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? You know, again, our culture tells us that good people go to heaven. The Bible tells us forgiven people go to heaven, that everyone's welcome, that everyone gets in the same way, that everyone can meet the requirements. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. That means that all the good things I could do would never make me right with God. And all the good things that you could do could never make you right with God. There's just one way, and that's Jesus. Because what Jesus did, no one else could do. God came in a human body, born at Bethlehem. And he went to a cross, having lived a perfect life, and died and paid for your sin. So Jesus said, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. He is the only way. And he said, you must be born again. You need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. And he's not a thief to steal it or a manipulator to trick you into giving it. You need to give him all of your heart and life. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I say three, please raise your hand. We're going to pray together. If you're here and you don't know where you stand with God, the apostle John wrote and said, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know that you're right with God, forgiven, on your way to heaven. If you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. And this is for you as well. I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place today. As you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying to God is you're saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner and need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. Two, get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today Jesus is going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand way in the back there. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Would everyone please stand? Would you please take one hand and place it over your heart? And lift your other hand towards heaven. And let's pray together with all those that just lifted their hands. 
Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus name. Amen.